Welcome to Entheo Nation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. This is Lorna here for episode 21 of Entheonation, where we're going to talk about the shamanic songs of the Amazon rainforest. In the Amazon, the curanderos sing songs during ayahuasca ceremonies, and those songs are known as ikaros, which is a Quechua word. But the range of ikaros extends beyond the ayahuasca ceremony. It is a shamanic song that is used for healing, purification, protection, harming, or influence over willpower. Many Ikaros call in the power of nature spirits to assist in the desired outcome. I have with us today Susana Bustos, a psychotherapist, professor, and an independent researcher of indigenous and entheogenic shamanic traditions of the Americas. She will speak to us about the different types of sacred songs that you might encounter in the Peruvian vegetalista tradition and what effect they can have on you. Some of the topics we'll cover include how curanderos use different kinds of ikaros to structure a ceremony, direct the energy, and heal the participants. How to make somebody fall in love with you using a magical love ikaro from Peru what it feels like to receive a song from a plant, and what it means. Now, according to an excellent article written by Jacques Mabit, founder of the Ayahuasca Retreat Center, Takawasi, in Peru, the shamanic song is a tool that cures the wisdom and the vehicle for the curandero's personal energy, the symbol of his power. You can check out his article, which we've linked to at entheonation.com slash 21. Some shamans will have hundreds of songs. A few years ago, my friend Benki Pianco, an Ashaninkan shaman from Brazil, told me that he had well over 300 of his own songs. In a certain sense, the more songs a shaman has, the more powerful he is. And I do say he because culturally, for a variety of reasons, shamans are typically men in the Amazon. I will get to this in another episode. The origins of these sacred medicine songs can vary. Some have been passed on orally for generations and hundreds, if not thousands, of years. I remember my friend Iba Sales, an indigenous leader, professor, and most knowledgeable individual on the traditional chants of the Hunaquin tribe, telling me that one of the more familiar chants that he then shared with us was over 9,000 years old. I'm not sure how they kept track of that being an oral culture, but just know that it means that that chant has been around with them for as long as they can remember. Some songs come directly from the plants themselves. For example, in Peruvian curanderismo, there is a practice of dieting with the plants, which means you drink a daily tonic of a particular medicinal plant while observing certain dietary considerations, like avoiding certain foods, fasting, being in isolated retreat, or even going into the forest and finding that plant yourself. 
It's a period of time that you spend really getting to know the plant and its spirit. And if you go deep and really open up, you will start to hear the song of the plant. Every plant has its ikaro. Receiving the song from the plant is a blessing. Learning the song and deeply connecting with it unlocks the power and the wisdom of this plant. Other songs come from the spirit world or astral plane. In my time in the Amazon, I've been somewhat obsessed with understanding how it is that people receive their songs and even more obsessed about getting people to sit down and play their songs for me while I record them. The whole phenomena of ayahuasca music intrigues me. You see, one of the things that will happen to you if you drink enough ayahuasca regularly is that you will start receiving music. Entire songs, phrase by phrase, with the melody. Sometimes the song comes as an instant download. My friend Nancy from Argentina, who I lived with in the community of Seo de Mapia in 2004, received a song while she was in the bathroom. We had just returned from a 16-hour all-night Yemanja work, and it was about 11 in the morning and she was taking a bucket bath in the bathroom when all of a sudden she came out and said, I have a song, I have a song. We all sat down around her and watched her write down the words of the song that appeared in her mind on a piece of paper, and then she sang the song to us. Now, other times, the melody and words reveal themselves over a period of time, sometimes days and weeks. Some people receive entire sets of songs. In Brazil, these sets of songs are referred to as inarios, or hymnals. Many of the madrinhas and padrinhos of the Santo Daime Church and other ayahuasca churches in Brazil have received many inarios. I know this is a long intro to a fascinating and mysterious topic. I hope this gives you a little bit of context before we dive into this interview with Susana. You can check out some of the shamanic songs that I've recorded from the Brazilian Amazon on my YouTube channel and check out my friends with their beautiful feathers and face paint. Just go over to youtube.com slash entheonation. I will also close this episode with a special treat, a couple of recordings I took in the Brazilian Amazon. The first is one of my favorite Hunaquin traditional chants by my friend Ninoa Paidamata. This is a sacred chant that is chanted when the Indians gather to share hape. Hape is a medicinal snuff made with powdered herbs. The herbs can really vary and thus the effect of the hape. The Indians tend to be a bit secretive about exactly what plants are in the hape, but a common base that is used is tobacco. The snuff is then loaded into a pipe, which can be a two-person applicator or a single-person self-applicator. If you are receiving buddy-assisted hape, then the powder is loaded into one end of the applicator, which you then place at the opening of one nostril while your buddy, or the shaman, will ceremonially blow it up your nose. You can watch the video of this happening on the show notes at entheonation.com slash 21. The next video I will share with you on the show notes is my most viral video to date, my friends singing the same Hood and Queen chant by the river during the 2011 Yoanawa Festival. At 130,000 views, it's clearly making its way around the international ayahuasca scene, and I'm sure that the view numbers are coming from people trying to learn the song to sing in ceremony themselves. It is the same chant as the previous recording, but played with guitar and drums. So if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Android, you can listen to these tracks back to back at the end of the episode. Now on to the show. 
If you would like to receive a free transcript of this episode, it is super easy. Simply text Entheonation, that is E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email to get access to premium content that's only available to bona fide citizens of Entheonation. If you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review this show in iTunes, as this will increase Entheonation's visibility in the iTunes marketplace and help get this life-changing information out to the people who need it. Now on to the show. Hello, beautiful visionaries of Entheo Nation. This is Lorna Liana, your host. And in today's segment, we're going to talk about the healing power of Icaros. I'm here with Susanna Bustos, PhD, who is a psychotherapist, professor, and an independent researcher of indigenous and entheogenic shamanic traditions of the Americas. Her main interests revolve around the interface between Western psychotherapy and traditional medicine, the healing potential of non-ordinary states of consciousness, and the integration of those states into daily life. Uh, Susanna lectures and works as a consultant internationally, and she also holds a private practice in Berkeley, California. So welcome to the show, Susanna. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Lorna. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to be here today. (laughs) So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story of how you ended up being a researcher of non-ordinary states of consciousness and indigenous and entheogenic shamanic traditions. Because I know you've spent a lot of time in Peru. I remember when you were as, as studying with uh, Juan Flores Salazar in Mayan Tuyaku, and I'm sure you've learned so much from that time and more. So uh, help uh, help us get up to speed in terms of you know what your journey has been. Okay, this is a very long answer, so I'm going to try to make it short, because if I start, I won't stop. (laughs) It's a lifelong journey. (laughs) Well, my interest on the healing potential of non-ordinary states of consciousness started maybe, I don't know, like 25 years ago and even more. And one of the key components of this uh, journey was my training with Stan Groff in holotropic breathwork and transpersonal psychology in Argentina many years ago, about 18 years ago. And through that training, I got to know a few people who were doing at that time work in in Peru with some vegetalistas, some um, curanderos healers that were using ayahuasca, this psychotropic medicine, but also other plants for healing purposes. And I said, well, I don't know anything about this. I would like to get to know what this is. This is part of my roots, you know, as a Latin American person, and I need to know. So um, these people came to Chile, where I was living at that time, and they did a ceremony, and they conducted a ceremony that was extremely long And it cracked my heart and my mind open to a degree that it had consequences 
and in my life right away. Like three days later, I had kind of a whole pattern of Kundalini rising with major seizures that were coming from my spine all the way up in openings of consciousness. And that was lasting too long and it was too frequent during the day. And since I had all this training, I could kind of link what happened in the ceremony with what was happening in my body energetically and also at the mental state. So after pursuing uh, healing work of different sorts, including holotropic breathwork and body work and energetic work for uh, months, I decided that I needed to hold it differently because things were like stopped at some point. And I had a very big blockage at the heart level that time and I couldn't just like overcome it so I was working at that time in Chile with drug abuse prevention programs nationally and had heard about Takiwasi which is this drug abuse rehabilitation program in Peru in the area of Tarapoto Provincia de San Martín and I said well I need to go somewhere where they know how to handle this situation because I just don't know what else to do. So I went there because of this condition, you know, that opened up very strongly for me. And I worked there with this amazing curandero called Don Solonte Lozano, who was there at the time. And he uh, really helped me through kind of realigning energetically certain things and opening up. And he worked a lot with Icaros on me. Uh, not with medicine, he just worked with Icaros and prayers and fanning and blowing smoke on different energetic chakras. And then th there was uh, the need to do ceremony too. And he was not present because of different reasons. But I worked there with uh, people at Takiwasi who were holding ceremony. And I had not been able to talk to them about what was happening with me, only with Don Solon, for different reasons, you know. And I went to that ceremony really scared, really scared. And I remember that at some point of the ceremony, one of the leaders who was a woman called me forward and she sang an Icaro on me. That was an Icaro that's called Abrete Corazón that's now very known, like, you know, in, in the circles, like people sing it in different ways as well, you know, but she's the one who received that Icaro, actually. And um, it just was, it really, really exploded, you know, that blockage that I had in hearing and receiving at that deep level, you know, the words and the meaning in the way that I needed in order to remove that blockage. It was pivotal in my healing process, though it, you know, required more work and years actually to complete that process that opened up with that trigger, you know, back in Chile. So since, since that experience, I started going to the jungle like every year to do my own work and also to start kind of seeing how these medicines were applied and used, you know, in with incredible results also uh, for drug abuse rehabilitation. And also seeing the challenges because it's not just that easy, you know, it involves a whole system to support you know, the, the process of addiction treatment, you know, it's not just the medicine, it's much larger the support required. But in all this, 
different methods and practices, the Ikaro was always present. And I kept this also as a, being a music therapist myself, like, what's the power? What's, what's in here in these songs that has this healing potential along with many other you know, other potentials like the Icaros are used for many different purposes, including sorcery, right? But when used in a context of healing, how is it that they just can cut through things and get you standing up back on yourself, right? Yeah, so uh, just to really quickly, what exactly are Icaros? If you could just kind of help the audience understand, uh, those of you who don't really know what that term means. Mm-hmm. So Icaro is basically the, the shamanic song that is sung within the vegetalismo tradition. But, you know, right now, because of the expansion of ayahuasca over to, you know, Icaro is used as a generic term to refer to those songs that are sung during ayahuasca ceremonies. So there are many speculations about where Icaro comes from in terms of a word. You know, it's uh, speculations like Icaro means, comes from the verb Icarai, which means to blow smoke in order to heal. That is speculation that Luis Eduardo Luna, an anthropologist, made many years ago. And now there are other ideas, but there are also some words that come from different traditions that have also that little wood of Ica or Icar, right? That has to do with like opening paths, clearing out obstacles, opening, giving light to, you know, a straight line, straightening things in different indigenous languages. We don't know etymologically, you know, exactly where it comes from, but it has that connotation. And it's uh, the shamanic song that is used not only in ayahuasca ceremonies within the vegetalismo tradition, but also in other uh, endeavors that are shamanic. Interesting. So basically then, um, yeah, it was my understanding of Icaros were the shamanic songs that are sung during ayahuasca ceremonies, but you're saying that actually those songs have a much wider range of uses. Yes, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. correct. For example, you alluded to sorcery. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. so how, how would one encounter those Icaros? So can you give me some examples that would show us that a wide range? Well, Icaros traditionally were used for, for example, you're going to go to fish, right, and get fish. So you, you would sing a song, and this is maybe the core of the Icaro itself, which is like the Icaro is the musical manifestation of the essence, the spirit essence or the spiritual essence of a natural element that may be animal or mineral or plant-related or has to do with a particular strength, intelligence, and force, even structure, that is associated with a natural element. So you, shamanically, we, when, when we talk about shamanic-oriented traditions, we are talking about a person who acts like a bridge and has been able to connect to this plane and open up the communication with these unseen forces that are part of nature that are supporting our lives in this network web of 
life that we live in, right? So they have this contact. And one of the ways of calling in those uh, knowledges and powers is by singing the song that will call that into something. So when we say like, Icarar, something, a substance or a person or an object, you know, it's like the infusion of that power into that object or that person. So the power comes with a knowledge and comes with a structure at the same time, but it has to do with the intimacy of relationship that the healer or the curandero or the shaman or the brujo has of, uh, with that natural power. Interesting. So is it just the shamans that sing Icaros or, you know, is it really so much a part of the, you know, cultural life and traditions of a, you know, indigenous community, for example? Well, this is the distinction of what do you call an Icaro. Mm -hmm. So we are calling Icaros now generically to many things, right? Traditionally, the Icaro traditionally, in this tradition particularly, the Icaro is used by the shaman. And also, all of us, and particularly in Mestizo traditions, can commune with certain natural forces to the point of where we can also have a song or get a song that would bring that in. So what I'm saying, basically, is that we are all able you know that, right, to get access to this other forces. The thing is that we in the, in the shaman, we have a specialist in this who has just devoted his life to making these connections. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things that I noticed as a visitor in uh, to the Amazon, especially, you know, the different countries that I've um, been to where I've had the uh, opportunity to spend time with indigenous healers and shamans, it almost seems like the trend is or the, the belief is that the more songs the shaman has, the more powerful they are. And so I see this in Brazil where, you know, uh, some of the shamans that I know just have hundreds and hundreds of songs and, you know, people are in awe of like all the songs that they continue to receive. And yeah, I mean, it's a process to record them. It's another process to even write them down, but they're just, you know, overflowing with songs. Is that the case too in the Peruvian side, um, are the powerful shamans the ones that typically have the most songs? Well, yes. Basically, the amount of songs that you have is is considered one of the one of the you know resources of power that the shaman has. And but also traditionally, like those those songs, those ícaros that are received in tongues or in languages that are not. Spanish or not understandable are also considered the, the most powerful because there is this belief and this kind of practical belief basically that the spirits of nature communicate with words and with sounds that are not uh, human-like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, I've noticed that the ayahuasca music I've listened to has certain patterns and, you know, and qualities of sound that are very different than, for example, peyote songs. Yes. And I've noticed that the, there are similarities in the kind of tonalities and the sounds that come through the ayahuasca songs I've seen in, you know, the different countries. Right. Which is which is fascinating too. So Yeah. And this is also changing, you know, there there are the exposure that people working down there have right now to other types of music, especially because of, you know, globalization and also this interest of Westerners of going down, you know, and also bringing their own songs into, for example, ayahuasca ceremonies, you know, has, has been also changing, like the traditional patterns that we could see kind of on a, on a more consistent basis 20 or 30 years ago. So I've seen, for example, in my maestro, I've seen in, in other maestros, I'm just thinking of, about somebody who just passed away, also an old curandero, you know, uh, how their own Icaros are like incorporating melodies and structures that are a little bit different than what I remember and I even have recorded, you know, years ago. Yeah, one of the phenomena that I've been noticing in Brazil is, well, there's this uh, renaissance of indigenous culture that has been really sparked by the interest of Westerners in, you know, ayahuasca. So there's a lot more movement that is, um, you know, happening in, in like the region. So for example, I spent the most amount of time in the state of Acre. And mm-hmm. in many of these villages, they're very, very hard to get to. It's like days, you know, and days of, of travel on these rivers. And, you know, these villages are receiving more visitors than they ever have before. And then also some of the indigenous leaders are getting to travel around Brazil to lead ceremonies and also internationally. So the intercultural connections are really, you know, adding a very interesting evolution to the traditional indigenous culture in that it's so so it's interesting, like one of the shamans who I worked with to create an album of his music, the album is called Transformando Tradição which is transforming tradition. And so we're seeing this evolution of tradition into kind of like, you know, more modern flavor. So for example, one thing that we're seeing with the tribes is that, you know, with the advent of the guitar, a lot of the shamans are taking their old ancestral songs and then adding guitar chords to the the words. And then it just becomes a totally different song that everyone can sing to. And like the Brazilians, from outside the region just love it and they're you know these songs are even kind of like making the way around the major cities of Brazil and right. uh, and internationally so I have this one song that I recorded on YouTube that has 70,000 YouTube views already wow. and it's got to be mostly people trying to learn how to actually sing the song itself too so so that's an interesting phenomenon on one hand and then you know in just greater Brazil we're also seeing the different ayahuasca churches and evolution of the the music that the churches create or or produce. And so, you know, we've got like the Santo Daime Church and some very Judeo-Christian type of 
hymns that are sung, you know, in the churches. But mm. then, you know, we've got these other, you know, groups that are incorporating, you know, Hindu music, African mm-hmm. music. Totally. Yeah, and it works really well, actually. <laughs> it's right. beautiful. It's beautiful. Right, right. So that is obviously, you know, a phenomenon I, I have seen happening in in Peru, you know, in the past especially in the past like 10, 12 years with all these Westerners going down there. There are centers that are using Hindu music, you know, and Buddhist practices, you know, with ayahuasca. And they incorporate also Buddhist mantras, you know, songs during the ceremonies. And, you know, there is a very known uh, ayahuasqueros in the area of Tarapoto who is an accomplished musician and he uses like a lot of Andean instruments you know kenas and samponyas you know this like wind music music instruments in his ceremonies and charangos and and other things right and it's just very powerful for people who are uh, in ceremony to see and hear all these subtleties and the connection that that brings from you know other realms as well i would want to just bring up uh, this theory by marlene dopkin the reels you know and and uh, cats like that was maybe thought of like in the 70s i don't remember exactly but it's a very brief article where she says that in their understanding the icaros work as a jungle gym for children right just like trying to make an analogy in that it provides with culturally shaped patterns that the mind in and in, in the, the organism, right, under the influence of ayahuasca, for example, offers to the person who's listening so that you can just like kind of climb the patterns, climb the ways that are necessary for your healing or for your, whatever you're working through at that moment by holding these possibilities, right? But they emphasize that the Icaros are culturally shaped pathways, basically, that you can like hold on to. And that would, if, if we follow that understanding, right, we would say, well, 30 years ago, there was not much, much, much exposure, maybe, as it is right now, you know, to all this, like, worldwide music possibilities, as it is right now. So the culture itself is changing, and it has been. I always say, you know, shamanism has survived, like, the amount of millennia that it has just because of its ability to incorporate new things instead of getting broken down right it's core because it's too rigid right it's very flexible in that way incorporates every time new material and it makes it its own right so maybe it's expanding i don't know i i won't you know i tend to have a more traditional kind of engagement with this in my vision but i'm totally kind of in awe with what's happening also around and observing where are these practices going to evolve. So just observing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating (laughs) observation. I'm really enjoying it myself. So um, I'm curious to know, uh, based on your research, uh, what is the function? uh, What are the function of ikaros in ayahuasca rituals? 
Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed it's a really quite an art when a, a shaman, you know, brings in the ikados into the work. It almost seems like it's timed in a certain way, or the shaman is like very in tune with the energy of the space and then what songs need to come into place. And of course, you know, for me, not understanding the words and or their meaning, it seems very magical. But I don't know what the purpose is or what they mean. So, what do you know about their function? Mm-hmm. In ayahuasca ceremonies, basically, the, the ayahuasquero is calling through the, the first Icaros, those forces that would give a safe container for the ceremony to happen. So he's setting the pillars of the ceremony. And as I said before, the relationship that he has with certain forces over others uh, related to his own allies to just like provide that container so normally in a ceremony the first ikaros are just uh, those that provide the context and the structure at the spiritual level to do the work right Mm -hmm. then there are some uh, ikaros that are called para levantar mariación and para bajar mariación so that that are those are the ikaros that help raise the state of the visionary state and the people that are there, right? So uh, you probably have seen like how certain melodies and, and tonalities and rhythms to like tend to just like put you out up there, right? And then it's very important also for the person leading to know how to regulate the the ascent with the descent right so you you don't want it to get out of control in that way you want to provide a space for healing and for for teachings to happen for people within a contained framework and they are managing that through the ikaros as well there are also some ikaros that are for protection and normally what we call the arcana ikaros you know are used to Traditionally, Arcana Icaros, the the shaman may sing during ayahuasca ceremonies to culminate a planned diet process of somebody who is part of the ceremony and install a defense in that body. Love this episode? You can receive the transcript for free by simply texting Entheonation, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. All you need to do is to reply to the SMS message with your best email address, and we'll send you the transcript and our guide to navigating visionary states for free as a VIP citizen of Entheonation. fascinating so that's um yeah yeah so energetically uh, it's also a gift of the shaman to just install a defense in your body so that you can deal with you know like all this opening that happens at all these many layers not only psychologically emotionally but also spiritually and energetically is also it has its risks so you need to in this path, develop some tools, and some of the tools are given, right? Are given after some work. So this is also the the way that I've learned what an arcana is. So it's not just that, you know, arcanas normally in my uh, experience and years of work are not just sung for everybody, you know. 
there are some also defensive kind of ikaros that are used, but they are not called arcana in the ceremony as far as I have studied yet. But you can also use the ikaro for defense in ceremony. You can also use the ikaros for healing purposes in the ceremony. There are certain ikaros that are, some people say that they are for vomiting. I think so too. I was going to mention it. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've experienced some of those ikaros where I'm listening to the shaman and I feel like the words of the ikaro are making their way through my body deep into my intestines. And then before you know it, like I, there's this, uh, you know, incontrollable urge to go vomit. <laughs> and then everyone starts vomiting, right? <laughs> well, I would, I would say that, you know, part of the healing process sometimes requires the purging different levels, like from the physical level that is connected to it, the energetic level that it's connected to emotional level that is, you know, it's like it's uh, so for me, those are still healing ikaros. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of a subcategory of, of the healing ikaros and it's part of the process of healing. And when, when you get that to that point, there are also the ikaros that are called the warmi ikaros. And the warmi ikaros are used within ayahuasca ceremonies, but also outside kind of, you know, traditional is, is set to, to gain the love of a woman. But they are also, so you can do things like tying up a woman or a man, you know, to your own energetic structure. You know, those are like kind of uh, sophisticated, magical, sorcery kind of uh, things that happen down there. They are real, right? basically, they are practices, you know, down there. Still, but the Warmikaros are also used during ayahuasca ceremonies to enlighten the mood, the energy that is kind of hitting heavy in a ceremony. So you would bring in songs of certain birds, you would bring songs that have kind of an edge of humor to enlighten the spirit and the mood of the people doing hard work there. And then there are closing ikaros too, where you just, not everybody does this in the same way. You know, when we are in shamanistic traditions, we are like, we have certain things that are core things that everybody does. And then there is a lot of variability depending on the shaman or the ayahuasquero himself, right? But there are certain ones that are very clear about like doing closing ikaros and dismissing then those forces that were there present doing the dance through the, uh, the participants, you know, and doing the work. You just dismiss them and give them thanks and then you close the ceremony. So th- those are the main functions that come to me right now off of the top of mind, you know, to share with you. Wow, that seems so different from the Brazilian side of the Amazon where, you know, I kind of call it the Brazilian sing-along because over on the side, you know, other side towards, you know, of, of the Andes, we're looking at largely just the shaman and possibly his attendants, you know, that are really leading with the songs and controlling the energy through their Icaros. But in Brazil, everybody sings together. So there may be one person that is you know the leader that is choosing which song that's sung but it's such a you know group process where you've got your book and everyone's encouraged to sing along and then it's like this a group prayer so to speak so yeah it isn't so specific like that so that that's really fascinating 
Yeah, it's very different. And I think it's, you know, that's the diversity that we have also, you know, in the in this entheogenic world, you know, working with ayahuasca, when you see like the Tucano people, for example, of Colombia, right? Like they also have, you know, indigenous, indigenous traditional, you know, ways are like, okay, all the men are just there dancing and then pounding their, their stakes on the floor and they are singing together, you know, and they are just expressing themselves you know and here in the hitalismo you're supposed not to express yourself you have you're supposed to just like sit straight you know and uh, and work inside so that is you know the value of what also in in the udv for example you know the union de vegetal is called the concentration state mm-hmm. so it's the value of being in in such in such a state of focus on the work that you're just like channeling, working, digesting, metabolizing, whatever you need inside yourself and not externalizing it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like so, a meditation. It's a deep yeah. meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a deep meditation. So it's not valued, this self-expression, as it is in other cultures, that, you know, with their own legitimacies and their own healing consequences, you know, that way. So I'm curious to know um, about uh, how Icaros are learned and received. And this has been a bit of a... Uh, so I've been so intrigued by this. And I've, uh, you know, had a, a number of conversations with people who have received songs. In, on the Brazilian side, they refer to it as receiving songs from the astral, receiving songs from the spirit world. And they come to people in uh, a number of different ways. Sometimes you know, what, I spoke to this one you know, musician who has many, many songs, and he'll describe it as, well, sometimes he'll, he'll get the entire song, oh. um, the words and the melody all at once. Or sometimes like, you know, over a period of a few weeks, he'll you know, start to hear the melody and he'll work it out musically on his guitar and then the words come but what i find really fascinating is that you know in the uh cult the ayahuasca culture of brazil people have a practice or a culture gosh uh, there, there's a phenomena that's probably a better word a phenomena of receiving songs that are part of a set so, and that whole set of songs will be part of a inario or a hymnal, where mm-hmm. it's like a series of songs that seem to have a similar uh, theme uh, or message, uh, as well as melody. And then people that have received many inarios, like there's some uh, padrinos and madrinas of the Santo Daime Church that have books and books of, of hymnals and, the, and their songs, they will say that, you know, they, they know when the last song is of that inario is complete, and then it's time for <laughs> a new one so and and sometimes I've, I've spoken to people that just have received these songs spontaneously so one man whose songs i recorded um was telling me that they, he was in the middle of a work and the padrino made this announcement of you know allowing the celestial music to come you know through you know come through your body and then as soon as he was done with that speech and there was a pause my friend tiago opened his mouth and the song came out like he had never ever sung it before like melody word being totally complete and he just sang in that space so i'm curious to know on the peruvian side or you know uh what have you seen with regards to learning and receiving songs and can anyone sing icaros of course anybody can sing icaros you know the thing is what's the effect that Mm -hmm. your song is gonna have 
And that, again, in that tradition, it has to do, and I, I always stress that, and that's my understanding, right? at the level of intimacy that you have been able to develop with that force you are using, right? There are times where forces in ceremonies just use you, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I also have experienced myself like this being taken by a song, and I just like have to sing, and I am singing something totally like impossible to stop that is totally taking me and I don't have any choice. It's just like I, I am taken by something that is like much larger than myself in that moment and then forget it. I, I haven't been able to remember that later, that Icaro later, right? It's just the power of the presence, full presence of being taken and just like singing it through. There, you know, I have uh, heard many descriptions of uh, people who lead ceremonies to uh, in Peru with that that type of characteristic so you you're taken you're you have to sing that and then you just lose it and it might come in other ceremony again or not right the main point in vegetalismo in in the way that it was traditionally and it's still going but again there are a lot of changes is that in order for you to commune with the power of something, you have to ingest it in your body. There is a process of ingest, ingestion and kind of accommodation of that power within you. So in order for you to be able to manage it effectively afterwards, Right, as a ayahuasquero, like you, many of us can do plant diets, for example, and we are doing that in one way or another. But it's very different to be like in a training to become an ayahuasquero, for example, or a curandero, than to be receiving healing only and being a patient, you know, in recovery of something, for example. But um, the reason I'm saying this is that the main way in this mestizo tradition to receive Icaros is through the process of plant dieting or mineral dieting or whatever else you're just ingesting in your body. So this process of plant dieting means that in the process of apprenticing, you go to a tambo, a small structure in the middle of the jungle in isolation, and you consume, you're, you're isolated, you're restricted of food, you know, you just eat very, very simple, normally plantain and rice, and that's it, and you drink water, and you drink a brew of the plant or the plants that you're communing with, depending on the strength of the plant, once, twice, or three times per day, sometimes you have to skip a day, depends on the strength of the plant and how it works in the organism. And what happens during the plant process is that there is like a micro depuration of toxins that are not only in the body, you tend to like sweat a lot, you're eating without salt and stuff, you tend to sweat a lot. And there's a lot of dreams that come also as a way of like, kind of emptying yourself out of the normal chatteries and stuff and emotionally too just like feel how the body after a few days starts like kind of opening 
and relaxing to new states of well-being. Depends on what you're dieting, the process varies, right? But this is basically like structure of the process to a point where I, what that I call being transparent, becoming transparent to the environment. You basically start being part of the jungle. When the traditional curanderos say that when the process of dieting is a successful one in your process of apprenticeship, then the plant will grant you a nicaro, which is that the plant is going to tell you, you have done a good job, and this is the way that you can call me back to use me, to bring me to you. And descriptions of how people receive these Icaros during diet processes, processes are like many, but a few of them. Well, I was lying on my hammock on my eighth day of diet, and I was just hearing something, you know, as if there was somebody in the back, a very tiny voice in the back of my head, but I could barely move, so I couldn't really see it, you know, and it was singing something. And it made me sing that thing until I, and repeated and repeated, until I got the words and I got the melody. Normally they get first the melody. This is in the reports that I have been able to gather. And then later, first the melody, then the words start come, kind of coming in. And then old curandero says, the genie of the plant. So the genie of the plant is tiny and he's the one who is singing that and repeats until I get it. And there is a, a, a very interesting thing with, uh, that happens, which is like, an, I have seen that many times, which is like an obsessive quality of that song. So you, you're like, you cannot get that song out of your mind until you learn it, right? It's, and it also during plant diet processes, where you are already in what I call like a dreamlike state, so you are not in a, your normal consciousness, even if these plants are not entheogenic in nature, right? They provoke a state of mariación of their own that is not psychotropic, but it's different. And it's a combination of everything, of being in the jungle, in isolation. You know, there is a sense deprivation happening on one hand. And on the other hand, you are like overloaded with stimuli. Yeah, there is a combination of things that kind of make you enter into this state but also in the the dream world when you are really dreaming at night you enter into a type of dream world that it's very intense very vivid normally sometimes you have sequences and sequences of dreams right that you forget and there are some others that are just like being here right so you may also receive songs during the dream state not just there sometimes i also have heard and experienced myself that it is nature in that dreamlike state during daytime or at nighttime because you start also sleeping very little that is singing it's like a choir of a melody and song that is singing through nature it's nature singing you know and you can hear it outside of yourself coming from everywhere right that's the way that's that has been mostly praised by traditional curanderos because 
you have installed the plant itself, the brew inside your body, you have accomplished a strenuous work, which is, you know, to be in, in isolation from your own, from, from your family. You know, you, you're just not indulging in anything in that context. You're just like really in a disciplined situation. You need to be disciplined, actually, you know, and at the same time, you just surrender to the process there. So there is an intimacy that it starts happening where the plant is working you and you're like getting to know her. And as I say, the crowning of that, the premium, the prize, you know, it's like saying, okay, this is it. You can call me this way. There are also evidently like Icaros that come in ceremonies. So I have also some stories to tell about, like, how do they come in ceremonies? And they may come also for other people. And I have also, like, some reports of people telling that they have received this Icaro in ceremony, not for them to use, but to give to the ayahuasquero. That was the instruction. Interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Right. And also, the Icaros are not only received in this way, they are also transmitted from from mentor to apprentice. There is also a lineage in the Provincia de San Martín that is disappearing. I haven't seen it like in the last 15 years anymore, but it was reported to me of installation of the Icaros from the mentor to the apprentice through the singing of the Icaro, it's a procedure where you install the Icaro energetically inside the body of the apprentice. And that process may last up to three weeks. And it's not just like a one-time thing. It might last uh, much longer. And that is similar if we compare that to the installation of Arcana. So when, when I'm talking about the body and the ingestion, I'm talking about your body in this tradition, your body is pivotal, it's just key in holding the Icaro and developing the cauldron of your relationship so that you can use it effectively. So there are, that's why also it's important that I bring up this, there are some curanderos who say that it's not about the reception of Icaros that much it's about the correct resonance of the voice what is the effectiveness that your ego has in a particular situation and the resonance of the voice is built through plant diets so the healing properties and the healing or whatever other use you know you use for the Icaros, you you have for the Icaros, has to do with that resonance that makes the healing, the whatever, the spirit, the force to slip into the object, the person, the situation that you're trying to That is so fascinating. Wow. Uh, Gosh, I would love to one day have this opportunity and the space and time to be able to do some plant dietas and experience that. I'm curious to know in the Vetalismo tradition, um, are these songs mainly for the recipient or can they be shared? So for example, what I see in Brazil is 
if one person receives a song, sometimes, you know, their their friends or their community will get together and everyone will learn that person's that song and sing it together. And then if they've got an inaudio, then on the person's birthday, everyone gets together and sings that person's inaudio on their birthday in a work. So in Vegetalismo, are these songs your personal songs of power? Or can you share them with your community? It's very different. We're talking here about it. This is not a community-based tradition. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a mestizo tradition Mm -hmm. that evolved from from indigenous knowledge. And it's mixed with Christian elements and with other influences that over time. So it's mixed race in that way. And, you know, curanderos that were performing all these things, you know, in the past and still today, you know, are tend to be like in the outskirts of the cities in the jungle, you know, and they have their own chakra there. They're kind of removed from a real insertion in the the community, except for some of them that are like in settlements, still like working, you know, in in the jungle or in larger, like, for example, in uh, thinking of Chasuta, right? Like there's an old curandero there living and working for 60, 70 years. He's still alive, right? He's part of the community in that way. But it's, uh, think of this as not a community-based kind of mm-hmm. you know this is a doctor right mm-hmm. uh-huh so these songs are your own songs to be used for a particular intention and they're your your personal songs of power essentially exactly and there are you know a lot of stories too of like the curanderos protecting the songs and even like when you're in ceremony like not articulating well the songs they're just like singing the songs but kind of like right in a way that it's not easy to understand because of fear of being robbed and stolen wow (laughs) really can you steal someone else's song and would it work so well Well, there are stories of like you know how uh, some like traveled long distances to go to a powerful healer to just steal a song that was a powerful song you know and being able to use it afterwards yourself right I don't know I have heard many of these things. I haven't talked directly with somebody who has had that, you know, of like going and stealing a song or, you know. And I think things have been evolving as well. You know, it's the seal of shamanic power, the type of like some core songs. And, and the ayahuasquero and the curandero may share that with people may encourage now nowadays is much more encouraged to to say okay learn these songs you know and you're learning it's okay right than it was before when you know i'm talking about 30 years ago yeah mm. mm-hmm. so what are some of the uh, effects of these ikaros on the mind and body mm-hmm. plenty and it depends on how ready also the person is to go and do some certain work. My dissertation focused on intense healing experiences associated to Icaros in an ayahuasca ceremony. So where the person really attributed the healing to a particular Icaro and the way that the person engaged with that Icaro at that particular time of their healing process, process within the ceremony. So by this, I mean that, for example, there, there was somebody that uh, was part of my study that 
had been going to ceremonies for like two months and listening to the same Icaros. And the Icaro never had the effect that it had, but that night where he felt that the Icaro entered and worked in a particular way that totally gave another, a new direction and a new turn to the healing process, right? So I cannot tell you generically because this is situational. It depends on the context, on the process, etc., of the person and the relationship of trust with the curandero, the, the degree of like drinking plants also, you know. The most powerful Icaros are those Icaros that engage your mind-body unity into an experience of unity of consciousness. So you're basically feeling at the core level that that song and you are one and you are being moved with the movement that the Icaro naturally has at the core level and you can your sense of who you are your sense of you know i'm susanna doing this thing or i'm lorna like it's out of the way you're just locked into the experience of unity between the Icaro and your ident- your, yourself. And that is experienced not only mentally, emotionally, it's also experienced at the physical level. You're just totally one with it and moving as it's happening. And the visionary component at that time uh, tends to be very symbolical. You just don't have kind of personal thoughts or connections or insights it's just symbolical in nature and you you feel as if the ikaro is restructuring is kind of doing something in your body that you feel touched by the sounds you feel moved and removed and uh, open and you know, it depends on the person and what the person is, is working on. And normally when the, the, the locking phase kind of gets unlocked finally is when the person starts again recovering back the sense of individualhood and slowly more personal insights and stuff start coming back to awareness until you just like get out to the other side. It, this is a process and it has also, you know, certain things that configurate the full experience that happened before to this moment that is just culmination. And then what unfolds, at least in the people that I have um, studied, you know, it's very similar at this structural level of the process and how it unfolds. And so this is for someone singing the Ikaro or, some, or for someone listening to it? Listening to it. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm talking about like healing experiences of people participating in ceremonies and attributing their healing process to an Ikaro mm-hmm. that they are listening within the ceremony. Yeah, I, I I know that we can talk about. I know because it's uh, it's very subtle. It's very and it's complex in that way. It's not easy to be able to express, you know, the complexity of how all the factors are put together to generate this experience. But what, basically, what I can tell you is that the Ikaro, when it's working, it just like gets to a level of touching 
You know, some people talk about like the cellular level, like the restructuring of the cell, self in some way. Restructuring of the cells. Of the self. Mm-hmm. Self. So it's it's felt, experienced very physically at that level, but very fundamentally physically through all the other stages of yourself. Mm, wow, that's very complex and very subtle. And, and I understand the difficulty of describing this, having been in ceremony and experiencing the music as a, a participant and also in my limited experience singing as well, which has its own, you know, phenomena. I found that, you know, you can't, it's really hard to use your ego to sing ayahuasca songs in a ceremony. It's, it's like the song lets itself known to you as to when it wants to be sung. You can't just choose the song because it, the, it doesn't fit the energy of the moment. It may It's not the right song. So the right song has a tendency to come through when it's supposed to come through. And some of these songs really can have a lot of power so that just to sing the song and to carry that song will take a lot of your energy. And once you're done with it, it's like, you, you know, it was a intense experience to hold that song and then once it was sung it will not be sung again right. to through the course of that night right. so well, that's uh yeah that's ideally right like uh, the, you know in the vigilarismo tradition the ayahuasqueros tend to say you know it's not me who choose what song has to be sung mm-hmm. right it's just i get different cues you know that tell me this is what you have to sing because it's not me who is directing the healing that's happening. You know, it's the, these forces that are wanting to do it, you know, and I'm just like orchestrating, but I'm not directing, you know, uh, that's ideally. And then there are also like, you know, especially with the, you know, coming, this whole change that is happening in the traditions, you know, like everybody wants to sing ceremony. Like what a wonder to be able to sing, right? And then bring your own songs that you learn here and there. And then Robert and I like bring groups to the Amazon like once per year, you know, and, um, you know, I have heard so many times like people that we brought bring down there like how painful it could be to be hearing as a nicaro that it's not matching the energy that is Mm -hmm, happening mm -hmm. right for your inner experience as well so that's also you know like develop through sensitivity and in participating long enough to just like restrain your own impulses to just like express yourself right Uh Um, and listen deeper i think that that listening is key in this world Mm -hmm. yeah i know in uh, brazil i often see that they reserve the community you know sharing of songs till the very end of the ceremony so after like most of the you know the medicine has kind of abated the energy of the evening is abated and it tends to be a lot easier you know kind of like on the overall vibe and and more open and yeah i can understand too sometimes there are some people that are beautiful musicians and amazing singers and others that are not (laughs) 
<laughs> and even if you're an amazing, <laughs> beautiful musician and singer uh-huh. and you sing something that is not like in sync, mm-hmm. what, what is happening there, it might be creating like this friction mm-hmm. in, in the inner experience of the other, of the people. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all your really deep insight into this, you know, fascinating world that so few people know about. Uh, I'd love to leave you with the last question. Have you received your own ayahuasca ikaros? I have received ikaros. Uh-huh, you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, through plant dietas primarily or in the, you know, ayahuasca, during the course of the ayahuasca work? Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what have those songs done for you in terms of your awakening or conscious evolution? Wow, what a question. I think that the most, yeah, just what comes to me is like, I just feel so humbled. When you, in this work, you know, and you really acknowledge that there is an otherness, that are, you know, we are in this network, in this web of life, you know, where there are sentiences that are there, you know, available and sustaining, you know, the, your path, I don't know, in the path of all of us, you know. I think that I just I just humble myself more. It's kind of like I am in awe and kind of reposition my self-importance, <laughs> you know, in the acknowledgement of the intelligences that surround us, that love us, that support us, that are there. That's the main thing that comes to me when you ask that question. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. How can we best stay in touch with you, Susanna? Oh, you could go to our website uh, with Robert Tyndall. That's called roamingthemind.com. And my contact info is there. And hopefully soon I will also, I'm working on a website that also shares what I offer in terms of private practice and, and work. So that would be susanabustos.com, but it's to come. All right. Thank you so much. And you have a beautiful day. Thank you, Lorna. Bye-bye. Thank you for all this time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So that was Susanna Bustos, psychotherapist, professor, and independent researcher of indigenous and entheogenic shamanic traditions of the Americas. I found this conversation with Susanna to be totally fascinating. My takeaways from this interview is that these shamanic songs can have more power than we really understand. I really enjoyed discovering the different kinds of ikaros and how shamans use the ikaros in ceremony to create structure, frame, and maintain the energy of a ceremony while protecting and healing the participants. What's a little scary for me is the incredible amount of sorcery in Peru and how that beautiful, mysterious-sounding Icaro that you're hearing might actually be intended to enchant and ensnare you energetically. I also feel a new level of respect for what it truly means to be a shaman in the curanderismo tradition, directing the energy of an ayahuasca work for the highest benefit of all in the ceremony. Okay, so I'm going to leave you today with two back-to-back tracks of a Hunaquin chant that is chanted when the Indians share hape. This chant calls in the power of the snuff, 
the plant medicines within, as well as the various animals of the forest. The first track you will hear is the traditional way the chant is chanted. The second track is the same chant with drums and guitar. Both were originally recorded as video, so if you head on over to youtube.com slash entheonation, you can see how the Indians actually do the hape, including my friend Haru Kuntanawa's super dope toucan beak hape applicator up your nose. So check it out. I know this was a long episode, so if you want to get the transcript, simply text Entheonation, that's E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email and never miss an episode. Don't forget to share the love by subscribing to Entheonation on iTunes and giving us your honest rating and review. Show notes can be found at entheonation.com slash 21. Until the next time. Bye for now.